you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch is probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. Hey gang, as always, I would just like to give a huge shout out to everyone who supports the podcast over at patreon.com slash witchpolice. Especially want to give a big thank you to our two latest patrons, the famous Sandhogs and Velvet Blitz. If you want to support the show for as little as a dollar a month, go to the Patreon page, you can get access to all kinds of bonus material, you get advanced listens to all the episodes, you get uh, special bonus content from each interview, you also get uh, some other fun stuff. Some of the newer things on the Patreon right now, there's an interview I did about an upcoming show at the Park Theatre, and there's also an interview I did where I was being interviewed on air on the radio about the upcoming Juno Awards and the local nominees. Help support the show, helps keep the lights on. Once again, that's patreon.com slash witchpolice. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Witch Police Radio! Witch Police Radio! Witch Police Radio! Witch Police Radio! Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Witch Police Radio! Welcome to Witch Police Radio. For people who listen to the show regularly, I think one of the things that I try to do over the course of doing this podcast is to find music that has a local connection in all genres, as long as it's something that's interesting. I mean, whether I'm talking to a rapper or a country singer or a metal band or a jazz artist or a classical artist, whatever it is, as long as it's something that just seems kind of uh, different or new or interesting, uh, something that I haven't had a lot of experience talking about is always interesting too. So I think that the guest on this episode is someone who is doing something that, that covers some of those some of the genres I'm familiar with, but definitely some areas that are kind of new to me and are, are, are interesting. But I think the best way to start this off is if you want to introduce yourself and just give a bit of background about who you are as an artist and what you do. Okay. So my name is Adele Wilding. My stage name is Adele M. Wilding. I'm a professional jazz singer and songwriter and composer, and I'm also a music educator as well. And I think that, um, like, I've had a lot of jazz artists on the show over the years, but for me, as a listener, too, my interest in jazz typically stays with instrumental jazz. I, have, I haven't really ventured too much into yeah. vocal jazz. And I know there's a whole universe of music out there uh, in that yeah. kind of sub subgenre of jazz, but I don't know too much about vocal jazz. I've had a few uh, singers yeah. on, on the show, but it's really kind of a, a um, an alien universe to me, even even with it within jazz. So um, sure. I find it very interesting. Um as a genre because it's something I haven't really touched much yet. And I do want to get into that with you, but uh, mm-hmm. you do have some events coming up uh, in the near future that I think are, are kind of what made me want to reach out to you and uh, have you on the show. And I think that, you know, both of these things that you're doing and, and we'll explain what they are, but um, they, they kind of cover uh, this interesting crossroads uh, of music and spirituality and the spiritual kind of uh, background that a lot of music, especially jazz, kind of has had throughout it, like an undercurrent uh, of this, you know, and so 
I guess maybe let's start with the um, what you're doing with spirituals, the, the thing with the MCMA. Um, yes. That may be a good place to start. So if you want to give some background on what it is you're doing and, and then we can sort of get into, you know, what the significance is of it and, and why you've decided to uh, focus on this. Absolutely. Um, well, I was approached by um, Dominie Billingshurst Shattuck, who's the outreach coordinator at the Manitoba Conservatory of Music and Arts. And she had approached me last year about offering some courses through their outreach programs. And one of the things that came to my mind immediately was um, to tap into the roots of jazz and a lot of the popular music that we all have grown to uh, love over the decades. And for me, that was the spirituals. And um, we did offer a course privately to one of our private community groups with whom we work. And the course was very well received. It was a hit if I may say so. I'm, I'm actually quoting Domini's words. And um, I decided with everything that's been going on in the world in the past three years and some of us pivoting and diversifying, I know pivot is a, a big sort of a catch phrase or catch. A buzzword, uh, yeah. A buzzword, thank you. That's what I was looking for. Um, but it is true. And I wanted to do something a little bit different having worked in the professional jazz genre for over 20 years. So it started with that. And um, I'm also going to be offering um, a spirituals workshop, which will take place at the MCMA. It's an an in-person, hands-on vocal workshop. It runs uh, three Thursdays in March, starting on the 9th. So March 9th, 16th, and 23rd, it will start at 7 p.m. And the idea of that is to get people singing spirituals. Um, We're going to be uh, working on our own arrangements of spirituals. And the emphasis will be on the aural, A-U-R-A-L, and oral tradition of learning spirituals. Because, of course, that all emanates from the West African uh, traditions of making music or musicking, as the musicologist Christopher Small calls it. Well, and I think that what you said earlier, too, about it being kind of the roots of a lot of popular music, like that's the kind of the bedrock yes. for, for almost everything that's come come since. I mean, it, it's yes. especially having that oral and oral tradition. Eventually, you know, through the centuries and decades, that that's something that has been written down and eventually been recorded and converted and turned into all these different styles. Yes. I, I guess, you know, from a very basic um, way of looking at it, what is a spiritual? How, how do you define what a spiritual is? Um, it was for the enslaved who were brought over to the North American shores and, and, and to the Americas in general. Right. Not just North America, but Central America, South America, the Caribbean, the West Indies. Um, that was their um, form of a hymn, for lack of a better term, because when you think about the conditions in which um, they were expected to thrive, yeah. there, was a lo- there was a lot of... Um, uh, I wouldn't say depression necessarily, but just despair and this tenacity of getting through these conditions, these conditions in which they found themselves being very oppressed and um, being stripped of their culture, being stripped of their language and needing something to hold on to, to get through those times. So they just started passing around songs and it all started with field songs or field holler as they call it. And one person will sing and the others will answer back, which falls into the category of column response, which of course also emanates from the West African musical uh, traditions. And then 
when they started imitating the the English of their slaveholders, and then they started compiling lyrics, and again, it's that oral and oral way of learning, mm-hmm. making up words, making them rhyme, internalizing them, verbalizing them by speak by singing them, and then passing them around that community, the community of the enslaved. And of course, it's been passed down now over the centuries. So for them, the, the spiritual was the, was the hymn in quotation marks. It was that um, catalyst for survival, for hope, uh, and for somehow escaping those conditions and finding the promised land. And of course, the promised land back then for many of them, and I'll, I'll try not to digress too much, but it was it was moving northwards to the northern cities of the United States, and then eventually into Canada. Right, right. Yeah. What do you think is the, um, I guess, you know, doing doing this this workshop, what do you think is the, the, the benefit mm-hmm. of, of artists now kind of reaching back into that history and, and, and approaching these, these types of, uh, this type of singing and this, this type of uh, storytelling through song um, from a 21st century perspective? Well, I think with everything that we've had to endure in the past three years on a global level, yeah you know, with the global health crisis, that going back to the roots of things when things were simpler and everything just came straight from the heart and the soul without any manipulation of any kind of instruments, instrumentation or technology and tapping into something that comes from the heart and soul, we're tapping into our own spirituality and, you know, making ourselves more enriched human beings. Right. And one of one of the things that we're going to be doing in the workshop in March is we're going to be focusing a lot on using the ear, the oral oral again, to learn these songs as opposed to very nicely arranged printed forms of spirituals. And that's that has its place. Obviously, in choirs, a lot of choirs sing spiritual and everything is written down because that's part of the Western classical tradition. Sure, yeah singing from, you know, writing things down and singing from paper. But we're going to be taking more of the oral, oral approach to learning these spirituals and making them our own. And again, that's tapping into ourselves as individual and what we can put out individually with these songs, with this type of music. And I guess that kind of is a reversal of the tradition a lot of people have, have, have learned music with for sometimes all their lives. They've learned exclusively off, off paper and off having it pre-written. And, and this is just kind of uh, approaching something they already know how to do from a, a totally more organic sort of viewpoint. Absolutely. And that's, that's the key word, actually, uh, Sam, is organic. So we're going to be going about this organically. We're going to be um, manipulating the, the musical language organically, the lyrics, and providing our own harmonies as well, too. Okay. A lot of people out there can, can, can harmonize and are very good at it. Um, some of, and the best way to learn harmony singing is through the choirs, especially church choirs, hymns, the way they're, they've been uh, structured and written. So um, there's going to be a lot of that. We're going to tap a little bit into improvisation, not to the extent that you would with the jazz, sure. a vocal jazz workshop, but that's where it comes from. Again, it, everything stems back to the West African way of making music.
Yeah, it's 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 crazy how how many different styles of music have all come from that one source. Absolutely. And it all originated from that African-American folk tradition. Jazz, for instance, is the um, fusion of African-American folk way of making music with European classical music. And those two merged together to form what we consider to be jazz today. And obviously jazz has different styles. Sure, yeah. You know, and very sort of varying styles like swing jazz as opposed to cool jazz and the, the big bands and, you know, the cool era with Miles Davis yeah. and his contemporaries. So, um, but it all really does stem back to those, that early merger between the two styles of music. Well, I think that it also kind of, um, well, I, I don't know if, if you would agree with me on this, but I think that any mm-hmm. kind of music that has, has what people would consider to be soul to it. I mean, whether that's a, a yes. folk song or, or, or actual R&B music or, or hip hop even or, or country, anything that has that kind of soulful vibe to it, it is harkening yes. back to that, that sort of song and that sort of, um, you know, centuries old traditions. Exactly. And I don't know if this is really sort of like opening up a, a Pandora's box, but if you think about even back to the classical times, when you have people like Schubert, who was turning out these popular songs, just, just left, right, and center, um, that was their pop music in the day. And I sure. suppose that was their form of soul music, if you will, obviously a different type of soul music, but we all sort of relate to whatever comes out of our culture. And sure enough for the European way of making music, listening to Schubert's leader or Schumann's leader or the chanson of the French Impressionist composers. It all emanates from those cultures and it's what we relate to. But as you've correctly pointed out, anything that has the soulful vibe, like the country and the rock and roll yeah. and um, blues, blues, obviously. In a yes, way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it all, that all obviously stems back to the African-American tradition. What do you think is the staying power of of that stuff? I mean, it's you know, it's it's so many centuries later now than when that would have been, that music yeah. would have originally formed, and it, it, yes. it it's just it's still with popular music of all forms today. I think the staying power is the root of the lyrics and what those lyrics represented. I mean, I have a private student um, when I first started teaching her back in September. Um, I always have these little meet and greets with my new students. And she had said to me during our consultation, she says, I just love singing spirituals. And when she said that, I, I could just see the passion that was that, that was emanating from her as she said that. And I think, too, if you look at the 1960s as well, too, like a lot of those singer-songwriters, Pete Seeger and Joan Baez sure. and their contemporaries, they were... Um, writing their songs using melodies or variations of melodies from the spirituals because they were actively involved in the civil rights movement and they had their own following. So the only way they could get the message across to their followers was to find something that they felt was a powerful tool for doing that. And it was the spirituals. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then I guess you go a decade or so even further and you have, um, you know, rock and roll artists in England and and, uh, and in America yes. borrowing directly yeah. from the blues, which is itself borrowing from yes. the spiritual. So, yeah, it makes sense. It all, it, all, it all follows. Absolutely. And the Rolling Stones as well, too. My father and I were discussing this not too long ago. So my, my father's born and bred English. Huh? My, my dad, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And um, dad said to me, well, he said when the Rolling Stones first came out and they were asked why, where they were getting this unique sound from, who is your inspiration? And they said Howling Wolf. Yeah. You know, 
And um, of course, there was the blues rock movement with the guitarists, like the you know the late great Jeff Becknell and sure. Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page, and it was all emanating from across the pond from the great African American blues artists. Yeah, and then that's yeah, that's itself has morphed into all these different sounds over the years too. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So okay, yeah. I do want to get back into this um, in a minute, but you also have another event that's coming up even sooner, and that's your, uh, that's right. your Jazz Vespers event. So can you tell me a bit about that, and how long have you been doing that for? Okay, so there's a new Jazz Vesper series that um, I had the honor to inaugurate, and this was um, December 12th, so just shortly before Christmas. The Jazz Vesper series takes place at Crescent Fort um, Rouge United Church okay. um, in uh, Winnipeg, here in Winnipeg. And it's officiated by the Reverend Mark Whitehead, um, the, obviously the Reverend of that church. And um, we'd had early discussions. It was myself and local jazz pianists, uh, Grant Simpson and Mark, all wanting something to um, inject a little bit more jazz into the local neighborhood. Okay. So um, Mark decided like he would like to offer a jazz Vespers that was all approved and went through. And we, we inaugurated it with a Christmas theme in December. And then there were local jazz performers performing in January. And I'm returning with my same trio this month on February 12th at Crescent Fort Rouge United Church. And we're going to be performing a Black History Month tribute. Okay. So Mark will be providing spoken word from the scriptures and we'll be punctuating his readings with um, jazz arrangements of some of my favorite spirituals. Oh, cool. Yeah. And the private student that I mentioned earlier, um, her name is Donna Fillingham, and she will be making an appearance as well, and she will be performing one of her favorite spirituals too. Butterfly flatters by Soaring in to the sky Earth and wings, your colors sing, unfolding, take flight, this is so real, yet so surreal, your no longer with me Strawberry moon Beginnings are new Folding 
take flight This is so real And yet so surreal You're no longer with me Strawberry moon Beginnings anew This will be Your eternity The idea of, yeah. of jazz in a church is interesting because I think that, like, you know, yeah. at various points in history, jazz has been seen as the devil's music, <laughs> by, you know, know. <laughs> during its during its uh, kind of evolution, right? So, uh, yeah, and blues in particular, totally, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yet, and yet, jazz yeah. has very spiritual. I mean, there, I mean, something like uh, John Coltrane, like a Love Supreme, is is one of the most spiritual yes. records ever, right? And it's a jazz record. Absolutely. So what do you think yes. is the connection there? Like, what is it about jazz and and, and spirituality that that works well? Especially instrumentally. Yes, I think. Oh, yes. And I'm a huge fan of in instrumental jazz, and John Coltrane is one of my favorites. I think, in my opinion, it's the openness of the genre and the way it allows people to flourish. Because in, in churches now, there's this sense of flourishing and nurturing souls. Okay. And a lot of that can be done in a genre where you can improvise and the improvisation is an extension of who you are, not just musically, but of you, you spiritually as well sure, too. Sure. Because when we make music, we are tapping into the abstract. We're tapping into our hearts or souls and the, um, 
our, our own self-expression comes out that way. And that goes and back course, to the soul thing too, right? You're, you're, you're yeah. actually uh, yeah, accessing your soul and putting it forward into the world, yeah. Absolutely. And improvisation is spontaneous composition. I mean, I, I did a dissertation on this when I was doing my graduate studies in the United Kingdom, okay. and um, that, that's what it is. It's spontaneous composition, which, again, is another extension of our beings. So I think it's that flourishing and the nurturing of our souls and being free um, that has creates that very special connection between the jazz genre and um, and spirituality, the, the church. Right. Yeah. Who would you say this this event is for? I mean, because there's people out there. I mean, like me, for example, I'm not a religious person, but I love jazz. No. And I mean, like, yeah. It's, it's, and you mentioned earlier too, getting getting more jazz in the community. I imagine that's yeah. kind of the the goal here, right? Just just to get to get this music out there to a, to a wider audience that maybe doesn't already appreciate it or or does. Well, we do have a lot, as you know, a lot of great artists in this sure. community. You've interviewed them on your podcast. Um, I think what we're looking for is something um, unique and regular. So, pardon me, the Jazz Vespers runs on a monthly basis. And one of the things that I'd suggested is that because so many venues have closed in the last few years because of the the pandemic, you know, yeah. The, yeah, the pandemic and the the aftermath and the the effects of the pandemic, that it would be nice to have something regular to go to again. And I think it's gradually coming back up in the city. I'm hearing rumblings from fellow jazz artists saying, "Oh, this place is going to start this, and this place is going to start that." And Mark Whitehead, the Reverend Mark Mike Whitehead, sorry, he's a huge jazz fan. He's an absolute jazz aficionado. And that's what he wanted to see okay. in his community that he has there. And it's a beautiful church. It's be huge balcony, oh, cool. just fantastic acoustic, beautiful grand piano. And it's for anybody to come and enjoy. Now, um, if you're not a religious person, I'm sure you can appreciate what um, Reverend Whitehead has to say, because he puts it in such a way that it's accessible to anybody. Right. And without it, sounding like it's trying to indoctrinate anybody. And I'm not saying that's what happens in churches all the times, but anybody I'm speaking from the to the perspective of somebody like yourself who doesn't consider themselves religious, sure. but would love to come and hear the music. Well, and I think that's that's an yeah. interesting thing too, because I, as someone who, you know, I was not raised with any kind of religion, but I do love spiritual music. There's a lot, I mean, I listen to, I mean, more than anything, I listen to reggae and I listen to dancehall and like my, I, my yeah. collection of Jamaican music is huge compared to everything else. And then there's jazz awesome. and there's, there's, <laughs> I listen to country gospel. Like I listen to all kinds yeah. of stuff. And I think that there's something when it's, when it's done genuinely, there's something very um, earnest and, and, and truthful uh, about people who are, are playing music with that kind of background when, when they, when they, when they mean what, it, what they're saying, there's, there's kind of a, an honesty to it um, that you don't have to be a believer to, to appreciate and to kind of, um, you know, get what they're, what they're getting at. Absolutely. On the bladed floor of the urban moor, grossings melancholy, tinges pine and holly green waves abound with summer sounds. Hey, dee, I, hey, dee, oh, 
I could just give an even deeper example sure. of what goes on in a jazz vespers event when we did the christmas event for um um mark whitehead in his church he was telling the story of mary um from her perspective which i thought was rather unique so all of the music that we performed um pertained to mary like mary did you know okay and the virgin mary had a baby boy and of course we three kings sort of um, tapped into that. And we also performed uh, Bruce Coburn Shepherd. So basically we're kind of delivering the message in a musical way. So you hear it spoken directly from the scriptures by the minister, and then the musicians are delivering it. It's kind of like a reinforcement of what's being said okay. um, by the minister, yeah. So how do people um, find out more information about this, about, about, about both of these events you're doing? Because obviously, you know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're very different, but they're, they're related. Yeah. So um, there's two ways you can find out about the African-American Spiritual Workshop. You can um, email, you can either email my um, outreach coordinator, Dominique, Dominique Shattuck, okay. at outreach at mcma.ca. So I'll say that again, outreach at mcma.ca. Or if you want 
the visual aspect, you can go to the um, Manitoba Conservatory of Music and Arts website, which is www.mcma.ca. And if you Google it, it'll just come up in the top. And I'll link to uh, it in the show notes so people can find it if they're listening. So Even better, even better. When you get to the website, if you go via the website, you scroll down to adult programs. Okay. Click on adult programs and you'll see my headshot with the title African American Spiritual Workshop underneath and you click that on. Okay. And then you just, and that will take you through the registration process as well. And it's only $50 cool. for the three weeks. That's pretty good for a three week pro- yeah, for three program for sure. Yeah, very good. And it's a great way to kick off spring as well too. And it's, it's obviously timely with Black History Month as well. I mean, I know Absolutely. it's in March and it'll be ending, but it's still yeah. the same time of year. And there's, this is still part of the conversation that's happening around this month, right? I mean, uh, it's Absolutely. A lot of the, the, the subject matter that's being discussed. So, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And about the Jazz Vespers, um, if you Google Crescent Fort Rouge United Church, right on the, the home page, if you scroll down, you'll actually see a poster for the Jazz Vespers. Um, I can also send you a JPEG as well, too, if there's any way of, like, attaching that to the the podcast. I'm not sure. I don't know if I can, but I can probably share it on social media. But, yeah, I'll I'll link to something on there and people people should be able to find it, I think, yeah. Absolutely. And just just to mention, too, to the public, entry to the public is via donation. Okay. Okay. Um, And... You know, we would love to see you. It starts at seven o'clock. I think the doors open around six thirty, and um, the uh, the show will actually the downbeat will be at seven p.m. on Sunday, February twelfth. And then, what's the best way for people to find out more about your your music and everything that you you know? If someone maybe is hearing about you for the first time on the show, they want to kind of keep sure. track of what you're doing with upcoming uh, shows or or workshops or things like that. What's the best way to sort of follow you online? Okay, so the best way to access my music would be through Bandcamp. Okay. Just type in Adele M. Wilding. I'm also on SoundCloud as well, but SoundCloud is a huge sort of mixture of everything that I've written um, and recorded over the years. But if you want to purchase any um, product, then you go on to Bandcamp and just look for Adele M. Wilding. Cool. And I also have a website too that's on Band, uh, that's hosted by Bandzoogle, and that's under my Adele M. Wilding moniker as well. Awesome.
sunny day Cause the rain, cause the rain has gone For better Time has come for sunny day.